the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. At City, WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. But when that tactic with the devil no longer works, he often attacks us by using people who will hurt us, sometimes emotionally, sometimes physically. And in our pain and our anguish, we are tempted to think that God no longer loves us, that we're cast away, that we've been abandoned by the Lord. He's forsaken us, left us to suffer because he no longer cares about us. That's why we think we're suffering. And we can even wonder if we no longer know him, if if we no longer have a relationship with him, maybe we've sinned away his love and and His grace. That's a common response when we suffer. Maybe you have felt that way yourself. That's why it's so important to read, understand, and remember God's Word. The Bible offers fantastic comforts for those of us who are going through hard times. Promises that nothing can separate us from God's love. Promises that He will never cast us out, will never leave or forsake us, and more. Welcome. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes are based on Pastor Steve's 26 plus years of teaching and preaching at Lakeside. If you are a Christ follower, you know that Jesus has chosen you to be one of his representatives to share the gospel. From time to time, or maybe I should say, usually, We face opposition when we tell people the good news. It can take the form of economic oppression or verbal abuse. In some cultures, the opposition is even state-sanctioned violence. In this series of lessons, we are considering Matthew chapter 10, starting with verse 16. Jesus told his disciples that he was sending them out as sheep among wolves. Now here is Pastor Steve to tell us why that is such a good analogy. The Bible often uses the analogy of calling us sheep. However, the reason that Jesus compared us to sheep in this context is simply because sheep like us are weak and defenseless animals. We are, we are weak, sheep are weak and defenseless, and therefore they are in constant danger of being attacked by wild animals. And that's precisely what the Lord wants us to understand. He wants us to understand that as we venture out amongst unbelievers with the gospel, there are dangers there. They want to hurt us. They want to persecute us. And in this context, the Lord is stressing the great dangers that believers like sheep will face for him as we witness for him. Now, unlike most animals, sheep have have no natural way to defend themselves. They, They are really in many ways quite pathetic. Uh, The only thing they can do if an animal, if a predator comes after them, is really to run. And they're not noted as being particularly fast animals, so they can't even run away from most predators. So they're in great danger of being attacked by predators. And the predator in biblical times that posed the greatest danger to a sheep 
was a wolf. So that's the analogy. Now, I want you to notice something extremely fascinating about what Jesus said concerning sheep and wolves. And this is where you have to think a little bit. He said that he was sending us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, did you get that? There, it ought to arrest your attention. This is very unusual. It's an unusual statement in that normally sheep are not sent out to wolves. Wolves come in amongst the sheep. Sheep don't go in the territory of wolves. I mean, I know they're dumb, but I don't know that they're that dumb to see a pack of wolves and just walk in their midst. Sheep are attacked by wolves who come in to attack and destroy them. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts twenty twenty nine said to the elders of the church at Ephesus, speaking about false teachers who want to come in and will come into their churches to destroy them. He said, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. That would be the more natural thing to happen. But here in Matthew 10, Jesus tells the apostles that he was purposely sending them out as sheep into the very territory of wolves, a a pack of wolves. He's sending them out. In other words, rather than the wolves coming into the presence of the sheep, the sheep are now being sent into the very presence of vicious and destructive wolves. That's unusual. Here's how one commentator explained this, this odd behavior of sheep walking right into a pack of wolves. He wrote, it is consistent with the predatory nature for wolves to come into the flock in the field and even into the sheepfold to attack, to mutilate and devour the sheep. But it is not natural, he writes, or consistent with their nature for sheep to voluntarily walk into the wolves own den. And it is unnatural for a shepherd to send his sheep into such, uh, such certain peril. Yet this is where Jesus, the good shepherd, sends his disciples into the hostile world of ungodly souls because that's where they can serve him best and be most effective in winning others to him. The apostles, and to various extents, every believer after them would be sent out defenseless in themselves among evil, vicious, God-hating mankind. So the question is, as we take this a little deeper, why would Jesus do this, knowing full well that there's a pack of hungry wolves waiting for us. Why would he do this? He knows the dangers that await us. He knows that it might result and will result in suffering at some point, if not every day, and not always intense, it will come. It's simply the answer is this, because it's these unbelieving wolves who need salvation. And we're the ones who can tell them about salvation. You see, in the Lord's sovereign plan, he wants to and will convert some of these wolves into sheep, just like he's converted us. That's his plan. And he does it only by the gospel. And we're the ones commissioned to proclaim the gospel. And we do it in obedience to our Lord and master, even though dangers await us. We can expect great opposition. And that's why the rest of this chapter, folks, is just filled with statements about the high cost of being one of Christ's disciples. He'll say such things as a disciple is not above his master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. He'll tell them about taking up their cross, about being willing to die, about loving him more than father and mother. These are the costs of discipleship. And all of us need to be reminded about that because the Christian life is difficult, but we often don't hear about that. We just hear about the positive aspects, but the Christian life is not easy. It is one of sacrifice. It is one of hardship. Sometimes it it even leads to death, takes our blood, sweat, and our tears 
And contrary to what many preach today, being a Christian is not about a life of wealth and and health and self-fulfillment and personal happiness. Following Christ does not necessarily heal your marriage. It'll make you a better husband, a better wife, but you won't necessarily have a better marriage, nor will it guarantee that you're going to be successful in your business or give you a better self-image. But being a follower of Christ marks you. You're a marked individual, marked as as someone that the world despises because ultimately they despise the one you represent, and that's Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible has to say about the Christian life. Listen from Romans chapter 8. I'd like you to turn there. Romans chapter 8, how the Apostle Paul described to the church at Rome the Christian life. It is far different than what many popular speakers today present in terms of, of positive Christianity. Listen to what Paul wrote to these folks. You know what? He had, he had not been there. He didn't found this church. He didn't know them. And yet he, he laid it out bluntly for them. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. He writes in a chapter about no condemnation to believers. He says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Now, let's ask ourselves that. Who would dare to bring a charge against God's elect? The only answer is Satan. He's the one who, who will bring a charge. Paul writes, God is the one who justifies. It's Satan who will tell you, but look, you're so guilty. Your behavior is shameful. You are, uh, you, you're, you're not saved. You're really not saved. In fact, if you were saved, you've, you've lost it. You've lost it because look at your life. Look at the way that you're living. You're guilty. You should be in despair. And that's what he whispers to all of us. Look at your life. And so Paul says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Hey, we're justified. When Satan whispers to you that you're condemned, you're not. You answer that God has justified me. Verse 34, who is the one who condemns Christ? Jesus is the one who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. And so when Satan attacks And ultimately, he is the source of all hostility and opposition and condemns us with feelings of guilt and despair. We answer about justification and forgiveness and and grace found only in Christ Jesus. That's, That's the message of Romans. But when that tactic no longer works, and we proclaim the gospel to ourselves as uh, Jerry Bridges and others have, have really emphasized in this generation. Preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself that you're not condemned. Remind yourself that the Christian life is not about performance. It's about grace. We're justified by his grace. But when that tactic with the devil no longer works, he often attacks us by using people who will hurt us, sometimes emotionally, sometimes physically. And in our pain and our anguish, we are tempted to think that God no longer loves us, that we're cast away, that we've been abandoned by the Lord. He's forsaken us, left us to suffer because he no longer cares about us. That's why we think we're suffering. And we can even wonder if we no longer know him, if, if we no longer have a relationship with him, maybe we've sinned away his love and, and his grace. And that's where verses 35 and following come in. Paul said, anticipating that's exactly how people will think. Paul says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Talking about all different forms of of wolves attacking us. Just as it is written, note this, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as what? Sheep to be slaughtered. That's how Paul described the Christian life. 
But he said, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And he goes on to explain why we conquer, because no matter what happens to us, nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is secure. What a great promise. That is such a wonderful promise. We could stop right here. But there is still much to learn from Matthew chapter 10. We will only pause a moment to greet those of you who just found us on the radio dial. It's great to have you with us. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of class, please stay tuned and I will give you our web address at the end of the program so that you can hear the whole lesson. We are studying the opposition faced by Christ followers when they share the gospel. It is really not opposition to us, but it's actually opposition to the gospel itself and ultimately to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But since we are the ones directly impacted by opposition, it feels like we are the targets of the hostility. Perhaps you have experienced it yourself. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. So far, we have been focusing mostly on the challenges that we face as sheep among wolves. Let's return to class now and think about how we should face opposition to our testimony. And so as we go back to Matthew chapter 10, we understand that Jesus has told the apostles that he's sending them out as defenseless sheep in the midst of dangerous wolves. And it's such a dangerous situation that we will find ourselves in that the Lord tells us how we should behave amongst these wolves. So as watch this, not to incite any unnecessary persecution, but also not to avoid any necessary persecution. Now, let me show you what what I mean by that, and more importantly, what the Lord means by this. He goes on in verse 16. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so we know danger awaits us. Then he says, So, meaning, so because the danger is out there, here's what I want. So, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. In light of the danger that awaits you, here's how I want you to behave. Yes, you are sheep in the midst of wolves, but now he tells us, using the imagery of other creatures, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And what does he mean by this? What do you mean? First of all, the expression shrewd as serpents brings to mind the language of Genesis 3.1 in which God referred to the serpent that Satan used in the Garden of Eden as being more crafty than any beast in the field. Remember, that's what Genesis 3.1 says, that the, the serpent or the snake was more crafty than any beast in the field. And that's what snakes are noted for, their craftiness. From ancient times, snakes have acquired a reputation as having a certain form of, of wisdom about them in the sense that they are crafty, they are clever, they are cunning animals, especially in avoiding danger. And that seems to be the point that Jesus is making here. Although he says we are sheep in the midst of dangerous wolves, we are to be as wise as serpents in avoiding danger. In other words, the Lord is telling us to use, use our heads in avoiding unnecessary conflicts by having a sanctified, common-sense approach towards unbelievers. That, that's a profound statement. We may be sheep in the midst of wolves, but we are not to be dumb, stupid sheep. We are to use our heads as we're with the wolves. Instead, as he says, we are to be uh, godly, 
and use godly wisdom and discernment in how we deal with unbelievers. The Apostle Paul spoke of this type of of godly wisdom to the Colossians in chapter 4, verse 5, when he said, conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders making the most of the opportunity. Now, let me try to explain the, the, the thought here. What type of, of serpent-like shrewdness was Jesus talking about? He's referring to a godly type of wisdom that knows how to deal with unbelievers by using appropriate words, proper things to say, right things to say at the right time in, in a given situation. So I'm not just using sanctified common sense. See, there are some Christians who tend to invite persecution because they don't use their heads. It's not really for the sake of the gospel, but because they often speak without thinking. And they say inflammatory comments to unbelievers. They, they never seem to think through the best way to speak to an unsaved person or consider if their comments could come across as unloving or accusatory or self-righteous or even sharp-tongued. They just blurt out whatever comes to their minds and immediately they incite the wrath of unbelievers. That's what he's talking about. There's enough legitimate danger out there. Don't go creating danger for yourself because you're not using your head. John MacArthur in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew gives Christ's response to those who asked him about paying taxes as an example of being wise as a serpent in dealing with dangerous, unbelieving wolves. You understand the Pharisees put Jesus on the spot and asked him about paying taxes. They wanted him either to say something against Rome, the government, and then they would arrest him, or come across as being so loyal to Rome that the Jewish people would discard him because they didn't want loyalty to Rome. So it's a trap. Here's what MacArthur writes. When the Pharisees attempted to trap Jesus into either defending or condemning the Roman government by asking him about paying taxes to Caesar, he did not take the occasion to vilify Caesar or the Roman government, vile, debauched, depraved, unjust, and ungodly as they were. Nor did he condone their wickedness. He replied simply, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. He writes, it is neither brave nor wise, and neither spiritual nor loving, to needlessly incite anger or court trouble. And so, folks, in dealing with unbelievers, may I encourage you to ask yourself some common sense questions such as, what's the best way to say this so as not to be misunderstood or as uh, best not to compromise the truth? What's a gracious way to say this so that it will achieve the best results for the glory of God? And not just I've got this on my chest, I've got to get it out. They disagree with me. I'm going to tell them what I don't like about their politics. I'm going to tell them what I don't like about their ethics, their morality. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. It may be true, but it's not the gospel. You need to think through, how will my words affect my testimony, my relationship with this unsaved person? Is this the right time, the right place to say something? Or would it be better to just keep quiet? Would wisdom dictate that I, I just remain quiet at this time? Maybe later will be the best time to bring this up. See, this is what it means to be wise as a serpent. Use your head. Use common, sanctified sense in speaking to and dealing with the unsaved. I think one of the best examples of an evangelistic outreach that was characterized by this serpent-like wisdom was the Apostle Paul. 
When he said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, I became all things to all men that I might win some. And he said, when I was with the Jewish people, I became like a Jew. And he was a Jew, but he said he acted as if he was an unsaved Jewish person. Now, he didn't compromise the truth. What did he mean by that? He meant something like this. He made sure that when he was with Jewish people, that he ate only their kosher food. That that he made only their kosher food without, note this, without feeling compelled to give these folks a lecture on the ceremonial laws and traditions of Judaism being unnecessary now that Christ has come. Now, was it true? Sure, it was true. Did Paul have to eat kosher food? No. He was free to eat whatever he wanted to. He could eat like a Gentile for the first time in his life. But he didn't do that when he was with Jewish people. And why didn't Paul speak up about these things, even though they were true? Because it was unnecessary. It would have alienated these Jewish people from the gospel and been the unwise thing to do. And Jesus commanded us to be wise as serpents. Listen, here's the point. The cross of Christ is the message we preach. So don't invite unnecessary conflicts with unbelievers by giving them a lecture on such things, as I said before, on on morality, on ethics, or, or even on your political views. The gospel is what they need, not these other things. Those are peripheral issues. Now, they may be true issues. They may be even based on the Bible. But the gospel is what they need. And if they attack us, let them attack us over the message of the cross, not anything else. I remember being in Italy one time, and Michelle and I were with uh, some folks from a church and ministry um, evangelizing. We would be involved in mimes because we didn't speak the language, but some of the folks from the Italian evangelical, uh, an Italian evangelical church were, were there, and uh, I didn't need to know the language to know that they were in a heated argument. I know that Italians are fiery people, but this was beyond that. And so uh, they, were, they were arguing with some folks, and so I said to our translator later, I said, well, what, what was that about? He said, these folks were arguing over Mary, whether the Catholic Church should worship her, whether it was wrong. And you know what? I would agree with them. We should never worship Mary, but they were unwise to be arguing about that. These folks didn't need to know about Mary. They need to know about Jesus. They need to know the gospel. And they probably will never have another opportunity to speak to these folks again. And all they did was to arise out of these folks an argument that was a peripheral issue. That's what the Lord is talking about. If you're going to suffer, suffer for the gospel message. When Paul came to to Corinth, he said, I determined to know nothing amongst you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Don't try to draw me out into an argument about philosophy, about any of these other things. I'm here to tell you about Christ. And if you persecute me, you persecute me about him. That's what he's talking about. Don't incite unnecessary arguments and and dangerous opposition because you feel compelled to tell everybody your opinion about biblical issues. Those may come later, but the gospel is what they need. It's dangerous enough with the gospel. Don't incite more dangerous situations because of other things. Frequently, the person you are witnessing to will ask all sorts of questions. They might ask about Mary or the Pope. One popular smokescreen is hypocrites in the church. Another is abortion. These are all important subjects, but until a person knows Christ as Savior, they really don't matter. Walls, windows, and shingles are of no use without a foundation. Arguing over side issues will only alienate people and might even breed hostility. There's plenty more we can glean from this passage, but our time is running short. 
You have been listening to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series about opposition to the gospel. For more than 26 years, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His ministry has now expanded to the world of radio through verse-by-verse ministries. We are a faith ministry supported through the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who are first faithful to their own church. To hear today's lesson again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online, download today's program or a previous one, and much more. Once again, the web address is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle part of a three-part message. To hear it all at once, you can order a CD or a cassette tape. Please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. We face two challenges when witnessing. One, which we have been discussing, is avoiding unnecessary conflict that might come from debating side issues not essential to salvation. In our next verse-by-verse, we will consider the opposite scenario, avoiding conflict by compromising God's Word and thus giving a false Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.